everyone, and welcome back for the second episode of the Stilly String Podcast. My name is Lindsay Spoor, and I'm the owner of Stilly River Yarns in Stanwood, Washington, in the United States. As you can likely tell from my deeper nasal, slightly scratchy voice, I am not feeling great today. The weather forecast indicates that my terrible allergies are apparently going to keep bothering me for the next several days, though, so I'm going to record the episode anyway in an attempt to stay on our release schedule. I'm already late by a week, and I don't really want to back this up any more than I have to. I hope August's regular episode will be a little more forgiving to my voice and your ears. However, you will likely see another shorter episode hit your podcatcher feeds sometime in the next week. It's an editorial piece that didn't really fit in the show's normal outline, and it has been the principal source of my three-week-long writer's block. So I'm working on it a little bit more, probably recording the main audio tomorrow, and then if everything goes well, I'm hoping it will be finished and released by next weekend. That's where we are. And first up, I wanted to thank you all so much for the warm welcome and helpful feedback that you shared following our first episode last month. I do want to take a moment to respond to the most frequently asked question and most frequently made comment from the June episode To respond to the most frequently asked question and most frequently made comment from the June episode, I do not actually have any formal voice actor or voiceover training, nor have I ever previously worked in broadcast radio or podcasting. The closest I ever got was working the phone lines during pledge drives at KMUW in Wichita, Kansas. The apparent national public radio voice that I use during this program is likely a combination of almost 25 years as an NPR listener, my teacher voice from my years in the public school classroom, and now 20 plus years of being nagged by French teachers, French professors, and French friends and family about just how important enunciation is. But thank you very much. I appreciate the compliments. And it's good to know that I could pursue a third career in voiceover work if I needed to do so. So let's get started with our normal program. The first segment is called Works in Progress. And it's the segment where I tell you a little bit about the projects that I'm currently working on either personally or for shop samples, and the projects that we have seen come through the shop since our last episode. So the first thing is a shop sample, and I'm now about two-thirds of the way through the first panel of the Venora shell that's morphing into a drop shoulder tee project that I talked about in the last episode. It's a pattern by Susanna I.C., And it features a back that's mostly lace and a front with a lace yoke and then plain stockinette for the rest of it. There's an eight row lace repeat and that repeat is pretty straightforward. 
So I'm trying to power through at least one repeat every couple of days. I did abandon the project for a few weeks because we were so busy at the shop. And by the time I would get home after work, even garter stitch was a struggle. We're no less busy a month later, but I'm working on it more consistently now. So at least the pattern's requiring less thinking. But wait, you ask, how can that be? It's lace. Well, it's a weird answer, but basically I've created muscle memory for the pattern by this point. And because I'm doing a little bit of work every day, more or less, my brain isn't struggling as much to recognize what the pattern should do in each row and mistakes become apparent much more quickly. They just don't feel right as I form the stitch and the pattern is more readily apparent when it's off kilter. The next shop sample in progress is Flax Light by Tin Can Knits. I am working on a 6 to 12 month old size sample for the shop. And if you have visited us in the past few months, it is the pink sweater with speckles that you have likely seen either on the social table or on the register counter. It is still missing the second sleeve. It does remain on my to-do list, but since we're not going to reorder the yarn, it's not quite as high on the priority list as others, such as shop life. But it will eventually get done because it does show off the speckle color distribution pretty well. And so I'll eventually finish it. It's just not on the very top of my priority list. A quick note to clarify here, when I say we won't be reordering the yarn, I simply mean we won't be reordering this colorway of the yarn. Fear not, Sprout Sock is still a part of the shop. I also bucked up and decided to get back to work on my Wakairo cowl by Frenchie Denoy. You may know Frenchie better by her social media handle, Aroha Knits. I started the cowl in late February and then had to put it aside to get ready for the yarn tour and slow crawl. It's an incredibly gorgeous piece, and if you like twisted stitches and lace and just texture overall, then this pattern should be high in your queue. It's also an excellent stash buster because it's a one hank project and it's an accessory so it is not fit critical. If you're going to go stash diving, look for a fingering weight yarn that isn't too busy in terms of the dye style or colorway and you'll also want to look for something that has excellent stitch definition. The shop sample will showcase West Yorkshire Spinner's signature four ply in the black current bomb colorway. It's a Vivid fuchsia, a little bit outside our normal color range, but we need to mix it up every once in a while. What can I say? So what have we seen from customers? Just like last month, these are in no particular order. It's just what I'm remembering from conversations, consults, and photos that I've taken. We had a couple of classes yesterday, and so there's a pair of rye socks by Tin Can Knits that just got started as well as a modified version of the Horse Feathers Lace Cowl. That is a pattern that I designed specifically as an introduction to knitting lace. And I modified it to use one hank of a worsted weight so that we could make a little bit more progress in class than the original version, which I think was in a sport weight. 
we also have a sister knit along that we saw go out the door last weekend. One sister lives in North Dakota and one sister lives in upstate New York. And they decided that they are going to make booster beanies together. The sister who lives in New York is going to be teaching her sister from North Dakota stranded color work for the first time. And we had a lot of fun picking out yarn and I can't wait to see the finished projects. They're planning on starting those in September, I think. There's some plotting that went on for a Garden Gate sweater by Jennifer Steingass. And that is going to be worked in Cicero, the new silk, linen, and merino yarn from Malabrigo. There have been several Hitchhikers by Martina Bem, a few Bonnie Tees by Tin Can Knits, and a Bright Sweater by Junko Okamoto. Didn't quite catch the name of a pattern or designer that piqued your interest in this section or even elsewhere in the podcast? Don't worry about it. Visit our blog over at the website, stillyriveryarns.com, and for every episode, we make a blog post containing the show notes. You'll find links to just about everything that we've mentioned here, as well as our contact information. Moving on, it is time for our Sign Sealed Delivered segment. What has been actually getting finished in the shop? Woof. Not much on my end because we have been incredibly busy this summer. We've had over 100 slow crawl participants stop in since Memorial Day weekend. If you are not in the United States, that was May 24th. And of course, in our area, we are in peak tourist season. If you're not from Western Washington or the Stanwood Camino area, Stanwood is a small town that's located just east of Camino Island, one of the larger islands in the northern Puget Sound. It looks like a backwards apostrophe very close to the mainland. There are two excellent state parks on the south end of the island, and then there are numerous families who have beach houses around the island as well. Seattle and the South Puget Sound tend to be 10 to 15 degrees warmer on the Fahrenheit scale. For the rest of the world, that's 5 to 7 degrees centigrade. And so when it gets too warm down in the city on the weekends, we get a lot of traffic coming out to the island. All that being said, I am still incredibly grateful for how busy this combination of circumstances has made us here at Stilly River Yarns because summers are classically a really hard time for yarn shops. One thing that I have gotten finished because it was a deadline project, I busted out a woven plaid wrap for the festival at St. Aidan's Episcopal Church on July 20th. However, I was in such a rush to finish it that I didn't even get photos of the final object. So my apologies. I used, I think, three hanks of Barocco Modern Cotton DK and did a very simple woven in plaid pattern. I was incredibly surprised that the Modern Cotton DK, which is a blend of Pima Cotton and Modal, bloomed tremendously in the finishing process yet it retained a lovely sheen and drape. I anticipated needing about 600 more yards of yarn than the project actually ended up requiring, so there is a non-zero chance that I'll be making a similar wrap later this summer. Another wonderful surprise with this yarn used in weaving is that the modern cotton can be a little splitty 
but it makes amazing fringe on woven projects. The plies separate just perfectly and don't stick to each other the way that the fringe in wool normally does. I realize I should probably just pony up and get a fringe twister. I'm sure I will at some point in my next order from Schacht. It just took me a little longer to come to that realization than other people. So anyway, I am on the very cusp of finishing my Tour de Fleece spin. I took a very, very laid back approach to Tour de Fleece this year. I am spinning a braid of blue-faced luster or BFL from Elemental Fiberworks Research Lab last summer. It highlighted women of STEM, which stands for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. The color that I'm using represents Maria Geppert Mayer, and the tag tells me this was the July 2018 colorway. The two bobbins of singles are done, and I am hoping to get it plied at some point this week. It's just going to be very simple two-ply yarn. Non-fiber arts things that I've finished recently are basically a single book and trying out some recipes. I just finished listening to The Woman Who Would Be King, Hatshepsut's Rise to Power in Ancient Egypt by Kara Cooney. Cooney is an Egyptologist who specializes in analyzing ancient Egyptian coffins for information about socioeconomic status and practices. It's fascinating. She's the department chair of Near Eastern Languages and Cultures at UCLA, and she is apparently a fairly frequent guest host in television shows about ancient Egypt. I happened to start listening to the Ologies podcast a few weeks ago and caught the episode where she was a guest, and I was immediately hooked on her writing style and her approach and her particular areas of expertise. I'm very much into history, especially topics that deal with women's role in society, so her research interests are right up my alley. If you've never heard of Hatshepsut, or if her name sounds only vaguely familiar, she is most often mentioned in world history classes as the only female pharaoh of ancient Egypt. That's true with several asterisks, but it's a much more complex story than the short shrift she gets in textbooks. I'm going to do my best to summarize her story. I will probably get something slightly off base, but we welcome corrections and clarifications, so please don't hesitate to reach out if you have one. Basically, Hatshepsut was thrust into positions of power at a very young age, got a much better formal education than most girls or women of her time, and leveraged that combination of circumstances into a position as a respected regent and later co-king to her stepson. The reason she does not serve as a queen is that the queen was a title that described a woman's position in relation to the king. It was not an actual position of political power. So if a woman was a ruler, she was still referred to as a king, or that's the more correct term prior to the development of the word 
Pharaoh. Again, read the book. It's explained much more succinctly than uh, I can do in this podcast. The part of the book that fascinated me the most was the chapter where Cooney provides an analysis of the linguistic and artistic evolution that Hatshepsut's identity went through very, very specifically and deliberately in order to make her a more acceptable co-king as her stepson came of age. To paraphrase what Cooney says in the book, a boy could be subservient to a woman, but a man could not. So Hatshepsut adapted her royal names and epithets and her very physical appearance and carvings to be more and more masculine and therefore more acceptable as a co-king both to society and to the gods of ancient Egypt. Cooney also does an excellent job of tying up the book with a chapter on how Hatshepsut's legacy was reduced by early Egyptologists to an oversimplified narrative of Hatshepsut making an opportunistic power grab and she got what she deserved when her stepson attempted to erase her name and legacy from monuments around Egypt. And she ties that situation directly to how that is so often the story of confident women with leadership skills and how they are portrayed, how their story gets twisted in later generations in so many places and cultures throughout time around the world. I felt it was very timely reading and so very applicable to a lot of what we're seeing in politics and culture right now. So that's where I'll leave that. I have also been working on trying new no-cook or minimal cook recipes. So for the summer, that's been my focus. And that ends up being a lot of salads and instant pot recipes at our house. The two most recent recipes that I would like to put on more regular rotation in our house, or at least in my lunchbox, are fatouche, a Middle Eastern bread salad, and a cauliflower-based version of a dish called ceviche. Ceviche is a Peruvian dish of raw seafood that has been chemically cooked by citrus juices. I don't really love most seafood, but I do like the idea of ceviche. So running into a vegan alternative was a welcome find. I'll link to the recipes in our show notes over on the blog because both recipes are delicious, easy, and refreshing, especially in hot weather. Now, again, if you're not from the Pacific Northwest and you haven't visited a home in the Pacific Northwest, houses and businesses are typically not air-conditioned. We get very good at strategically placing box fans, window fans, and ceiling fans, as well as finding cross breezes. But during a heat wave, it is still not comfortable to do much more than boil water. And for these two recipes, you don't even have to do that. I'm hoping that by the end of August, when it's time to record our next regular episode, I will have a few more items in the signed, sealed, delivered category to talk about with you. Fingers crossed. An occasional segment that we will be including in our regular podcast is going to be called Technologic. We'll be using this section to let you know about cool websites, technology, apps, 
podcasts or Ravelry functions that you might find useful or interesting. They may or may not have something to do with crafting, but generally they will. And since many of our customers are either currently on vacation or going on vacation in the next couple of weeks and planning on indulging in some yarn tourism along the way, you might find it useful to know that there is a road trip planner on Ravelry. Yes, you heard that correctly, and you're welcome. How do you access this feature? Go to Ravelry, log in just like you normally would, and go to the Yarns tab at the top of the page. Scroll down past the New Yarns box on the left side of the page, and you'll see the search box for the local yarn shop directory, and then just below that, a car emoji next to the words going on a trip, visit shops on the way, and a link to the road trip planner page. Choose your starting point, your end point, and how far out of your way you're willing to detour or how far of your, out of your way you can convince your driver to detour. And you will get a complete list of the yarn shops on your route as long as they have an entry in Ravelry's local yarn shop directory. There you go. Yarn tourism. We're going to enable you for that too. And with that, we come to the segment that I'm calling the start of something good. What's new, what's coming soon, and what's getting restocked here at Stilly River Yarns. This week, July 29th through August 2nd, we have something like 100 pounds. Again, if you're not in the United States, that's 45 kilos of yarn arriving at the shop that's a lot. And we're going to have another heat wave, so it's going to be a ton of fun. The first thing to arrive will be a new-to-us yarn from a new-to-us company, Perennial by Kelbourne Woolens. Kelbourne Woolens is a company based in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and it was founded in 2008 by Courtney Kelly and Kate Gagnon Osborne. Perennial is a blend of 60% superwash merino, 25% surrey alpaca, and 15% nylon. Each hank has 497 yards in 100 grams. We will be stocking perennial in 12 different colors to start with. It'll be a great accompaniment to other fingering weight yarns, especially if you've got some unique hand-dyed hanks that are looking for a good solid to pair with in a project, even the neon bright speckles. Speaking of unique hand-dyed hanks, our long-awaited restock of Sprout Sock by the Fiber Seed should be arriving on Wednesday, July 31st. We'll be getting lots of new speckles and variegated colorways, plus some returning favorites, including Rainbow in the Dark and our shop's exclusive colorway called Little Bungalow, Lots of Heart. We did get a Malabrigo order last week, but there was a bit of a hiccup with the order at the warehouse, so we only got the first part of the order last week. Happily, that means that our shelf of Cicero is fully restocked, and we received more Living Coral and Aniversario on the Worsted Weight Superwash Rio Space. This Friday, August 1st, I'm sorry, not August 1st, August 2nd, we should get a couple more colors of Mechita, as well as our first four colorways in Verano, which is Malabrigo's new 100% Pima Cotton worsted weight base. 
Finally, we hope to see our restock of Contemplation Linen Lace Weight by Claudia Hand Painted Yarns arrive by the middle of next week, which will be the first full week in August. We're adding a couple more solid colors and restocking the variegated colorways that have been so popular since the shop opened. And that is it for the new and coming soon segment. So the next segment is Every Day is a Yarn Winding Road, which highlights regional yarn and fiber arts events. From now until September 2nd, stop in to our brick and mortar shop as part of the Pacific Northwest Slow Crawl and get your free knitting and crochet patterns, get entered for the shop drawing, and make progress towards getting the region and or the crawl completed so that you are eligible for those prize drawings as well. The Fiber Arts will be part of the Art by the Bay Festival in downtown Stanwood on August 10th and 11th. There's a street festival with all kinds of vendors, a silent auction that raises money for local high schoolers who want to pursue fine arts, and a community art project. Lots of fun and a wonderful opportunity to meet some of our amazing local artists. The Bow Little Market up in Bow, Washington, has its fiber market scheduled this year for Thursday, August 22nd. We are confirmed to be there and we'll be doing demos and we will have a small selection of our products available for purchase. On Saturday, September 28th and Sunday, September 29th, the 22nd Annual Oregon Flock and Fiber Festival will take place at the Clackamas County Fairgrounds in Canby, Oregon. Demos, indie dyers, fiber-adjacent crafts, a livestock show, and a fleece sale. What's not to love? I will be there again this year, helping at the Elemental Fiberworks booth, so please say hi and swing by the booth. If you track me down, I will have some shop swag to hand out while supplies last. And right on the heels of Oregon Flock and Fiber Festival, and with less travel required, Fiber Fusion Northwest will be happening at the fairgrounds in Monroe, Washington on Saturday, October 19th and Sunday, October 20th. We are helping sponsor this event for the first time this year, and we hope that you'll be able to come. A Stilly River Yarns meetup has become an annual shop tradition on the Sunday of Fiber Fusion, and whether you carpool with us or meet us down on the fairgrounds, we are looking forward to seeing you there. Finally, on Sunday, November 10th, make plans to attend the second year of Yarn Revolution. This year, it'll be at the Nile Shrine Golf Center in Mount Lake Terrace, Washington. We're proud to be sponsors of this event for a second year, and there will be 30 vendors in a larger venue with more socialization space. Admission to the marketplace is free, and we're planning on going. We couldn't go last year, but we're glad that it's happening on a day where the shop is closed so that we can see how wonderful it is in person, and we hope to see you there as well. What's going to be happening at the shop itself? August is a very busy month for us with outings and events, and also getting the shop kids ready to go back to school. So we're going to be a little more quiet in terms of events and classes, but once we get past Labor Day, buckle your seatbelts. We're planning an extended first-time sweater knitter class in September and early October. 
Currently, we are ironing out the details, but the class will feature the worsted weight flax pullover by Tin Can Knits. We will be working on a baby-sized sweater so that we can get through all the parts of the pattern in a reasonably condensed time frame. Keep your eyes peeled for all the information. Customers have been really interested in long-run colorway yarns like Barocco Nebula and Chapelvol Zauber Balls, especially when these yarns are featured in shawl and wrap projects. Several of our customers have requested that we do a knit-along for Andrea Mowry's Night Shift, so we are going to do that in September. Details will be coming in early August. Sadly, our weaving gatherings called Heddle Up have not been well attended, so starting after Labor Day in the U.S., that is September 2nd, we will be going back to only being open significantly later on Tuesday evenings. That is our standard stilly string social night. However, we are evaluating expanding our hours slightly to stay open until 5.30 p.m. every day, as well as the feasibility of being open for at least a few hours on Sunday afternoons once the days get shorter in October and through the winter. Stay tuned for further developments and confirmation of those changes to our shop schedule via the newsletter and website. And again, those changes will not take place until September 3rd. And last but not least, Socktoberfest is a thing we do at the shop. We will be releasing more information in September, but mark your calendars now and think about whether or not this might be the year you finally get into making socks. Whether they're for you, whether they're for someone else, this could be your year and we're here to support you. Okay, looking at my outline, I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Stilly String Podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and be sure you tell your friends and fellow fiber people about us. If you're in the Stanwood Camino area, please swing by the brick and mortar shop to say hello. We love being able to put faces with names and social media handles. If you have any questions or feedback, please reach out. Our contact information is at the bottom of our website, but we will also have it in the show notes over on our website on the blog. Until next time then, Take care, travel safe, and craft your heart out.